0: Hello, and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram, at Market, and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Troy from Tapped Market. Tapped Market's a podcast where we're talking to entrepreneurs in the grind about what's working, what isn't, and how we can help. Today we're talking to Greg Johnson from Email Magic. Greg is a mentor and friend and extremely experienced entrepreneur. Greg, tell us about Email Magic and how you got here.
1: Thanks, Troy. First of all, thanks for inviting me on, man. I love what you're doing, and I'm just honored to be a part of it. Yeah, Email Magic is really all about helping other brand owners to connect with their audiences through email. I have a weekly newsletter newsletter. It's totally free, and I just kind of share my thoughts and marketing tips and hacks through my email, sharing with others some insights, tips, and tricks to help them kickstart their own email marketing programs. And I also have basically like a done-for-you mini agency thing going on where we really focus heavily on the messaging through the email. So very little focus on design and aesthetics. It's really about forming that bond with customers because our goal is to drive long-term value for brands.
0: Where did you get your start in email marketing as being your focus? I know you didn't start with email as a service. Where did you come from that got you here? Well, depends on how far back
1: we want to go. (laughs) My first experience as a business owner had nothing to do with email at all. We were actually selling scientific laboratory equipment super high-end, high-ticket kind of stuff. But the company that I built, it was with two partners, very quickly, I realized this is not what I want to do. This is not the kind of business I want to build. And so what I have found in my own professional journey is that I often find my way into something I want to do by first doing something that I don't want to do. So initially, we created a brand that was very self-centric. It was very money-driven, and I'll be honest, a lot of promises were made to customers that were very difficult to keep. So the goal was all about making the sale, getting the payment, and then figuring out fulfillment on the back end. And unfortunately, I was kind of the guy in charge of fulfillment in that business. And so it was a nightmare to keep up and be able to serve people well enough (laughs) That they didn't want their money back you know what i mean like we were just barely doing our job it's horrible to live like that i didn't feel good about what we were doing i didn't feel good about what i was doing and kind of at the same time i was doing some e-commerce and digital marketing on the side really just for fun i was attracted to that world i listened to a lot of podcasts and just started selling stuff online to you know, make some vacation money basically. But the people that I was listening to in that world were teaching a very different thing about business than what I was doing in my own. And I realized that what they were talking about was what I actually wanted to do. I wanted to do something that actually served the customer. I realized how much easier life would be if we just had this small pool of like super fan customers who would come back again and again and again because they loved what we did instead of trying to chase down the next new customer because we had you know we had this smoldering ruin of unhappy customers in our wake and as i got more into that world and started teaching myself e-commerce and digital marketing and really brand building and relationship building with customers the most useful tool in people's toolkit, in my opinion, and in my experience, is email. And even when I was a kid, I enjoyed writing. Like I've always enjoyed writing and just never went into that as a career because I didn't think you could make any money writing. Back in middle school, I didn't know about copywriting or I might have taken a very different path from the get-go. So I've been kind of in my own e-commerce sales, but then also starting to help and work with and mentor other people just have kind of developed this technique, I guess, this, this way of communicating with people through email primarily that is really about providing them value in an engaging and entertaining way, like sending an email that somebody actually wants to open and using that as a channel to have a conversation with people so that when it is time to ask for a sale, People willingly say, heck yeah, I'd love to get this thing. I'd love to support you because you've built up rapport. You've built up trust with them. You've already provided value to them. It's just a such a different way to play the game than what I was doing before. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how I got here. I ended up where I am because I started like in a completely opposite place and realized that it sucked.
0: I think a lot of people as they mature into their professional world, they realize how much more meaningful it is to wake up and work on something that you actually believe in. And it's going to take you a lot further. I totally see that myself working on Forrest and Herald and the projects that I work on too. It's easier to serve the customer when you're when you're aligned flat out. Now, when you talk about email marketing, because I, I know you you have a lot of clients, number one. And so you're probably working with people all over the spectrum from very early on in list building, all the way to tens of thousands of email addresses. And we're probably talking to a lot of those different people because we're talking to entrepreneurs in the grind here on this podcast that range that spectrum as well. Give me a little bit of insight as to where somebody could start to build their email list. Because I agree with you. Email is... It's like the one asset that you can own. right? You can sell on Amazon. You can use Facebook marketing, you can do all these things. But if you don't own the asset of that email list, and someone shuts down your Amazon account, you can really be left out to dry. And so it all starts with building that audience and serving that audience. So when you work with somebody who's brand new to email marketing or list building or building an audience, where are you starting with them?
1: That's a great question. So there's a few elements to that. And I think fundamentally, to even be at a point where you can get started with email marketing, you have to have an idea that is worthy of capturing people's attention in the first place, right? So if somebody's starting a new brand and they they have this idea of this particular customer they want to serve, and they have an idea of how they're going to serve them, right? What the product might be, what the service might be, like why you? What's your story? Why are you the one who is the person best able to bring this to this audience? Right. So, right off the bat, like what we do doesn't really work well with, I would say, like me too, brands, which oftentimes aren't really brands. It's just people trying to capitalize on a product trend and then trying to backfit a customer avatar to match a product they've already selected. Like that's really hard to work with. It works really well if somebody has already solved their own problem. So if they've encountered a particular problem in their life and they have found a solution to it, or they almost find a solution to it, and then they develop what the right solution is. So if there's like some innovation on a product that ends up helping them to solve their own issue, then that is oftentimes one of the best ways to build a brand because there's authenticity. It makes sense why this person is the one to serve this audience. It's because they've already been through this journey and now they want to help others who are maybe a couple steps behind them. And so that foundation, I feel, has to be in place to do what we do because what we really do is then we tell the person's origin story, the brand's origin story. We share the brand's mission, values, and beliefs with the audience. And the idea is that we want to attract the people that resonate with that message. And it has very little to do with product. It has everything to do with the entrepreneur and their purpose behind what they're doing. So that has to exist first. And then they can begin to share their message through whatever channel they choose, some social media platform. And typically they will begin to attract an audience And then what we do is we get that audience onto an email list. So there are people who do this very successfully organically, organically just takes a little bit of time, but once you've identified messaging that works to attract the right people and that gets them to stick, meaning they willingly sign up for your email list and then consistently open your emails at that point, it can make a lot of sense to put paid traffic behind that and just make everything go faster. But again, like you ask, where should people begin? And some other email marketing thought leaders might give like a more technical answer and say, oh, well you need a lead magnet and you need a landing page. And then you need to run Facebook ads to the so-and-so. And technically that's all right. But if you're running Facebook ads, that don't speak to a particular person or a particular pain point. And if the landing page doesn't offer them anything of value, and if the lead magnet is not something that helps them to solve an immediate problem, then it's like none of that stuff works unless the foundation behind it is solid. So I feel like that's where we have to start. And a lot of people just gloss over that and they go straight to the product. They go straight to running ads to build an audience. And sometimes it works, but it's really hard to maintain that because there's no underlying purpose.
0: That definitely resonates with me. You know, when we work on Forrest and Harold, we're targeting this modern man, this dad, and I happen to be the avatar. So for me, it, it felt a little bit easier to to develop sort of the idea of what I need and solving these problems for me. And My peer sets were also just like me, right? These are the people that I've surrounded myself with. They have the same sort of mindset, the same sort of life situations, and so on. And so it's easier for me to be my avatar and create that solution or know where to connect with them. Because that's another piece. If you're targeting yourself as your own avatar, you're solving your own problem, you'll know if people are hanging out on Instagram or if they're hanging out on TikTok they're probably on all of these things in mass. These are huge platforms, but you'll know where you spend your time and then where you can start to engage those people to convert to your list. What platforms do you think most people are using for email marketing right now? I mean, you've got the the classics, Clavio, MailChimp, Attentive, I've heard of. Any particular one that you see your customers using more often than not?
1: I have a strong preference for Klaviyo for e-commerce. So that's what I use. That's what a lot of clients use. And we prefer to work with people on that platform because we have familiarity with it. But MailChimp is very attractive for beginners. And so I see a lot of people jump into MailChimp to start with. And I think that's fine. I think that it gets challenging to stay on that platform as you scale. But we have a couple of clients that use MailChimp. So we use that when we need to. A number of people that I've worked with are very happy with ActiveCampaign. So I've been in ActiveCampaign, set stuff up for people in that as well. Really, the key is understanding what your goals are, both short-term and long-term. A lot of people just do a price compare, right? So they look and see what their monthly cost for 1,000 subscribers is going to be. And I think that's a bad way to make the decision you should really look at what the capabilities are and project what you're going to need and the potential revenue that each one of these capabilities adds. So for example, I worked with somebody not too long ago and they were using a service called MailerLite. And it's very similar to Clavio. And I'm not dissing mailer light. I think it works fine and it's a good option to consider. Considerably cheaper. Than Klaviyo. But the person that I was working with had gotten to a point where there were some features that they couldn't use, some targeting and segmentation and automation features that existed in Klaviyo, but they did not exist in this other platform. And at the stage they were at, this was literally costing them money. So if they were on Klaviyo, then we could have pushed a few buttons and pulled a few levers and they could have, automatically made a couple extra thousand bucks a month. But they were looking at the difference in the monthly cost between the two services. And we're talking of a difference of less than a hundred bucks a month. And they didn't want to switch because of the additional expense from Klaviyo, even though it would have allowed them to generate several more thousand dollars in revenue.
0: We've been capturing SMS too, Along the way, for probably the last year or so, a little over a year, maybe we've been capturing it. We've just started to layer into the SMS side, and that's been sort of a whole new world for us. It's a little, seems to be a little more expensive just because per send, it's we're hitting the ching button on that, but it's also cutting through some of the noise, right? Like some of these spam filters and whatnot. And I know that if you have a highly engaged audience, there's a smaller targeted list and you're engaging them. That's ideal, but hot take on SMS converting at a similar rate to email marketing or, or still lagging. Cause my, my mobile purchases on Force and Herald as an example are the majority by far. We might have 80% of our purchases are mobile based.
1: Yeah. SMS is amazing. It's an amazing tool. And anybody using email marketing should strongly consider adding in SMS. But again, there's an additional upfront cost that just scares a lot of people away. In addition to some pretty severe compliance requirements that you need to maintain, or you could SMS yourself into bankruptcy pretty quickly if you run afoul of the FTC, right? So I would say, I think it makes sense to have Email is the core, but SMS, like you said, should be layered on and it's a different animal. So for example, I think that for an e-commerce brand, the typical e-commerce brand, I'm going to start spitting out rules of thumb, understand that variability is okay here, but many e-commerce brands will send like one to two emails a week, right? pretty typical cadence.
0: Yeah. Like one's just for information, right? We're giving you useful content. We're not trying to sell you anything. Something else might be a deal that's going on that month. You know, Cyber Monday is coming up. Buy one, get one, something.
1: Right, right. Now with SMS, I think a more reasonable cadence is probably like one to four a month. If you use SMS at the same frequency that you're sending emails, your list is going to churn a lot faster. You get higher open rates with SMS. When people get a text message, they almost always open it. So you get more upfront attention, but it's a very intimate channel compared to email, right? It's difficult to ignore. And so because of that, if you send people irrelevant messages, they will unsubscribe very quickly. So in SMS, it's a different sending cadence. To balance revenue with list depreciation, I'll call it, like people unsubscribing.
0: So let me let me give you the one thing we've been trying and tell me if this is palatable. We've been trying successful header and call to actions in engagements through email marketing. The stuff that performs the best, you can filter down in, if it's convertible, convert it to SMS. This either piece of content Or this conversion or this call to action or this sales promo that it performs well in email can push to SMS. And if you get that action in email from a subscriber, you don't have to bombard them on the SMS side as well and lose that channel with them. You can filter it down. And that's sort of where we started so far ourselves. And that's really been working for us. It hasn't churned us as much as I thought it would. And that's mostly text based with links, versus, there's some very pricey options out there to send images and videos, which we just started to test the waters for sending a video SMS to people at that last buying opportunity for them. If they haven't purchased, but they've been warmed up, warmed up, warmed up. And it's like, hey, we need to get them that last sales pitch, that last opportunity to connect with us. We're testing that right now. I don't have any feedback on it, but hopefully more to come on it. But thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that's a great strategy to have the messaging between email and SMS be connected, meaning what happens in one informs what you do in the other. So I think that's smart. I also think SMS, I almost treat as a subject line with maybe a little bit extra. We just finished up a um, political season here, and I was getting text messages from all kinds of different campaigns, and some of them were sending sales letters through SMS. I'm like, what are you guys doing? I'm not going to read that. So yeah, SMS is, I think, most effective when you can hook people with curiosity and then have them click a link, and then maybe that goes to a landing page or a sales page where you get to do some longer form communication and then have the call to action. In terms of incorporating images and videos and GIFs, the service that I like to use is called Postscript and it integrates with Shopify really well. There's like a small monthly fee plus a cost per send, but the cost to send images and GIFs is not substantially higher than just text. And so we have that built into some of our automations actually. I actually had a, an agency set this up for me. Yeah. So an email agency hired another email agency to do something <laughs> because I know when to call in experts. When I was first moving into SMS, I'm like, I don't want to figure all this out myself. I just want to pull in a trusted resource that I know and respect, get me set up and then go from there. So don't be too prideful about what you're an expert at. There's always some other expert out there that could probably help out. So we throw that out there. Anyways, they set up some automation, some SMS automations for us. One of the automations is like this. It's a delivery notification. So when somebody's order is delivered, then there's an automation that will then send them a text message saying, hey, your order's delivered. And they found this GIF and it It looks like camera footage from like a ring doorbell or something, right? So it's this view of somebody's front porch and it shows it like UPS guy, like walking up, waving at the camera and setting a box down at the door and walking off. Like it's a GIF and it's like, Hey, your order has been delivered. And honestly, I need to change this because I can't tell you how many people text back and they're like, what the hell? That's not my porch. (laughs) Like they think that we, (laughs) they think that we're sending video of their actual delivery And first of all, it's like the doorbell cam, like I don't have access to your doorbell cam. It's just really funny. It's very effective at capturing attention. Like the open rate is really high because it's delivery confirmation. But we have that image in there that seems like it's a good idea, but it's causing more issues.
0: That's ridiculous. (laughs) That's a great story. (laughs) You mentioned something earlier. Lead magnet. This is an interesting term. I feel like it's a buzzword right now, but essentially just for the audience's sake, lead magnet, some sort of asset that adds value to the target audience, gets them to take some sort of action. A lot of people do these in some sort of downloadable giveaway type thing. You know, if it's here's your wait 30 day challenge to the perfect Push ups or 100 push ups a day, or whatever it may be. Give us a couple lead magnet ideas you see some of the people doing that might not work for everybody, but get the wheels turning for people. That's a good question. And my
1: temptation is to start listing off a bunch of different forms that something could be in. For example, a PDF ebook or a checklist or a roadmap or a, you know, like a one-page guide. These are things that are routinely used that can be pretty effective. But I think the danger is if I say that an eight-page PDF ebook makes a great lead magnet, then that doesn't at all speak to what's actually inside. It's very hard to give specific examples because honestly, the lead magnet that's best for a specific brand is going to be something that only that brand can uniquely deliver I mean we don't always get there I think it still can be effective let's say that you have a brand that helps people sleep better well you could get somebody on Fiverr to create an ebook for you that gives you know here's five things you can do for better sleep and the product that you want to sell them happens to be one of them yeah that that's fine that's going to work to some degree but It's a whole different game entirely if you can deliver something that only you can uniquely deliver. And it's difficult to templatize that because the value proposition for each brand is different. I mean, that's the definition of the value proposition. So the way that I like to frame this is, can you give them a quick win right now? Like if they are having trouble sleeping, maybe saying, look, shut off all of your screens at 7 p.m. like don't check notifications after that, right? Don't stay up until midnight like you know with your nose 12 inches away from a television set. That's going to impact your sleep. And the the method in which you deliver that will impact consumption, but the idea is can I give people a quick win to add value to begin to develop rapport and to demonstrate to them that I can actually help them with this larger problem. So I think that's the way to come at this and then figure out like what the best delivery vehicle for that is. It can be a PDF. What I actually really like to do is deliver something over a series of emails and then use that as an opportunity to further communicate with them and build rapport. That's one style. You could have a video, like link to the video, but it's more a question of what would actually help them. What's the best form for me to deliver it in?
0: I've seen physical products like uh, Drew Camp from Tedco, the Epic Dad Company, does like a a free plus shipping. So there's a lot of different pre workouts out there in the world. And to get product in people's hands to let them try his pre workout, he's made samples and he'll send them samples. And I think he's adding a shaker bottle down the road as well to get in the hands of customers in his ability to convert people after getting the samples in their hands for relatively inexpensive amounts of money, when you have them pay for the shipping costs, it's worth it, right? It can be a physical product. Drew also had a lead magnet that was a 30-day workout challenge to lose 10 pounds in 30 days. So he had a digital product that he was serving his dads, his epic dads, with and physical products. In both of these, the end game is build the asset, the email list continue to serve them thereafter with your ongoing content. And eventually, if you, if you serve that audience the right ways in a meaningful way and you connect with them, it's likely that the ones that stick around are going to find value in the physical products or the non-physical products that you end up sort of selling to them as well.
1: And that's an excellent point. For any physical product brand owner who sells a consumable, I think free plus shipping like give them a sample size and give them the sample free, have them pay for shipping. Ideally, that charge covers shipping and cost of goods. Basically, you're getting an email for free at that point. And they have the product in hand. And so if the product's good, you can follow up, you can get testimonial feedback and make them an offer to make a full-size purchase. So it's a great model. And just to reiterate, I love what Drew Camp's doing. I recently saw his draft pitch deck that he is creating for the capitalism incubator and that guy's just on fire with what he's doing very cool to watch
0: yeah i agree he's killing it he's going to be launching some more products here come january too that i'm excited about i hope to have him back on here He's doing it the right way. And he's serving an awesome audience. I use the pre-workout myself every day when I work out. So cool. It's really good stuff. So after you have this email list built out, you go out there, you start to serve an audience, you connect with them on social media. Maybe you create a Facebook group and you start to invite people in. You start drinking your own coffee instead of going to Starbucks. You throw a couple ad dollars at it to build your social media following. You throw out a couple of lead magnets that add value to people. So you continue to build this audience and they share you. Maybe you you launch your first product and you start to sell it to them and the, the list is growing. What's next? What's the big next thing that someone has to do to really get that value from email or in their business?
1: I think there's three things and I want to touch on each one briefly. Number one is you need to be able to begin to incorporate automation. I don't think you need this whole platform built out when you first start, but if we're talking e-commerce, ultimately you want a bunch of these very targeted customer touch points to happen automatically. So the easiest one to point to is like the abandoned cart email. If somebody comes to your website, adds a product to their cart, initiates checkout, and then doesn't finish. That's a very very hot lead. Like there was clear buying intent there and it's worth following up with that person to find out why they didn't buy. Maybe they added to cart while scrolling their phone at a stoplight, right? Maybe they're waiting to get home. You shouldn't text and drive, kids, but I've I've seen it happen. I've looked over and seen it. You know what I mean? Seen it happen. But Sometimes people kind of do some shopping and discovery on mobile, but then they complete their purchase on desktop. So maybe they just need a gentle nudge to remember to do that. Or maybe they started checking out and they had a coupon code and they tried to apply it and it didn't work, right? Or maybe they got to where shipping charges got added on and they weren't expecting that and it caused them to abandon checkout. There's any number of reasons why somebody could have abandoned that checkout and it gets very low hanging fruit to follow up with that person, offer them an opportunity to continue checkout, but offer them an opportunity to communicate with you and provide feedback. If they have any questions, if there was an issue and to do that at scale manually is impossible. And so to put in automations that do that for you is necessary if you want to harness those touch points opportunity in that way. And there's a number of things like this. So number one, you have to incorporate appropriate automations. Number two is you need to nail down what your content is on an ongoing basis. And this is about what is your brand voice? How are you going to consistently deliver value to people through email, right? Not every email can be an offer. Not every email can be a 10% off coupon code or people lose interest. So what's your content strategy in email? How can you consistently deliver people value so that they look forward to opening your next email? And then number three is, and this is the one that causes heartache, but number three is what's your plan for kicking people off your list when they don't wanna be there anymore? So of course you have to have an unsubscribe link in your email right? It's a requirement. But when somebody comes on your list and maybe they make a purchase, they hang out for 90 days, and then you notice that they haven't opened an email for six months. They're receiving your email, so they have not opened an email in six months. They haven't visited your website in six months. They haven't clicked a link in six months. At that point, continuing to send emails to that person will actually damage your ability to email people who are opening every single one. So there's this concept called deliverability. And it really comes down to when you click send, where does the email land? Does it land in somebody's primary inbox? Does it go to the promotions tab? Does it end up in the spam folder? Like where does it go? And the performance metrics that influence that is largely customer engagement. So do people consistently open read, and click your emails, and if so, it's more likely you land in the inbox. So what that means is if you have a ton of people on your list who are just burnt out, they don't want to hear from you anymore, but they're also too lazy to unsubscribe, if you're sending emails to people who don't engage with them, you're training Outlook and Gmail and Yahoo that your emails are not important. And it's more likely that even for your very best, most engaged customers, that your email ends up in promotions and then eventually spam. So the third thing that people need to do is they need to have a plan for cleaning people off the list. And depending on your brand and the sales cycle and all that stuff, you you need to determine what the time span is. Maybe it's 180 days, maybe it's 365, but if people are checked out, you need to manually take them off the list and quit sending them emails because you're not getting anywhere with them. And they are going to impact your ability to reach the people that want to hear from you.
0: That's going to shake some people that just heard that (laughs) because, because they look at their list, like it's, it's like everything, you know what I mean? Like everybody holds it so close. Everybody has like pride of how big their list is. Right. But sometimes it's really not the size that matters. Yes how deliverable it is, if you will.
1: A couple of years ago, I met a guy who claimed to have a list, a targeted list of over a million people. And I was, there was a little bit of fangirl in me right there. I was like, you what? A million is a big number for a list, right? That's a big list. And we did a little bit of work together. Like they did not engage me as, as a service provider or anything, but we had kind of some dealings together. And I was able to see what they were able to actually push with that list. And I was severely underwhelmed. So I don't know exact metrics, but if I had to guess, I would guess that their average open rate was probably under 10%. Their engagement was very low. Emails from their brand consistently landed in my junk folder or my promotions tab almost never in the inbox. So they didn't actually have a list of a million people. They had a million email addresses, but they maybe had a list of one to 200,000 people, which is still phenomenal if you actually focus on them and not let the other eight to 900,000 people basically tank your ability to communicate with with the engaged audience. So if people are married to this idea that they have, a million person list, but in reality, they're only reaching 100,000 people, they need to suck it up and unsubscribe 900,000 people. And as awful as that sounds, the results that they get from the 100,000 that are left over, that's enough people to generate very respectable sales. Let me just say that.
0: That's good feedback. I could actually myself personally do some cleaning up in my list. I know it. I've avoided it. I need to do it. Maybe we'll get together one day and and hang out and and clean up some emails. Try to figure out what's that metric, right? Is it yeah. the 365 days? Where do you cut that off, right? You mentioned one thing there I wanted to add a little bit more to as well. You were talking about how to figure out how to talk to your customer besides just a bogo or a 10% off or whatever it is. And one of the things that I think is valuable is offering reviews, always have reviews, always be able to go through and read your Amazon reviews, go through and read your Yotpo reviews, whatever it may be. And you'll find little nuggets in there of interest that people have that then you can go and answer for people too and say, this is how this works. or This is why we serve this customer and so on and so forth. So doing that, I think, you know, is something that everybody can do very easily. Pivoting a little bit here, what's next for Email Magic? Where are you going? What are you looking for? How can this community sort of help and support you? Yeah, so really the two things
1: that I'm focusing on is bringing on the right done-for-you clients to where we can just get outsized results for them. Meaning we want to identify and work with people where we can drive significantly more revenue than we cost So it kind of has to be like a good match between us and them. We do a lot of things differently than, than a lot of other agencies. So, you know, we have capacity to add a number of additional clients. And so we're kind of looking for the the right people to bring on. And I have a, a partner in this business who does a lot of the writing. And so we have capacity that we would like to fill with the right people and, we're having so much fun with the current clients though like it's hard for me to get into sales mode you know what i mean most people that i work with who are not clients are not even aware that this is something that we offer because there's not like there's not a sales page there's not a landing form on the website it's kind of like an invite only kind of thing i just need to get serious about actively recruiting people who who i think would be a good fit and and just kind of trying it
0: out so That's number one. Is that ideal customer, like an e-commerce, physical products customer? Is that a subscription box customer? Is that uh, info products customer? Is there somebody that's like, man, if you sell wallets to modern men, you should come work with me. Who, Who is that guy? What
1: I think we've determined is that the business model and the product is far less important than that underlying mission and purpose piece that I discussed at the beginning. So really like these mission and purpose driven brands that have a story to tell and are just willing to passionately serve their customers. And then the product, like the way that they're served is
0: just kind of like a. it's not the core of the business. The core of the business is those principles. I appreciate you saying that because essentially what you're saying is if you're a pig out there and we're not going to be able to just put lipstick on you and change you it's just not going to work. You're just fundamentally not serving a customer. And therefore, it's going to be extremely hard to do that. If you have that serve mentality, and you have that audience that you can add value to, you're set up for success. I like that. That's smart. I believe in that. I think everybody should be focusing on that. And if you're not doing that right now, you should pivot really fast right now. Go find somebody to serve. If you're just out there on Alibaba, you know, finding products. Stop. Make sure you're serving somebody. Have that vivid vision to what value you're bringing to your community first. And then like Evan was saying with Scorchmarker, it's so easy to see what products you would develop then. I was on Evan's uh, Superfans page the other day. And I took a screenshot, sent it to him because... One of the customers in there was talking about their new piece that they made, and then they were like, "I hope Scorch Marker makes a heat mat that I can do my work on because you have to, you know, you draw with the pen and then you do the the hot gun with the air to to make the design come up and look like a you know a burnt piece of wood." And it was like, oh my God, Evan, this lady is telling you exactly what product you should make now. And it's because he, he literally calls it, it's like the scorch marker super fan page. And so he's got like these super fans in there that he's serving every day, and they're literally telling him what products to make. I have a quick scorch
1: marker story. I ordered scorch markers and some of his brand new sunflower stencils and some wood cuttings. My oldest daughter is super artistic and I love Evan and what he's doing. And so I I got these to give to her to just see what she could do with them. And this is cool, dude. I, I haven't seen anybody else do this, but she used the scorch marker, right? To draw on the piece of wood using the stencil. But then instead of a heat gun, she got a magnifying glass and went outside and used the magnifying glass with the sunlight to create shading on the image because she was able to control the amount of heat that was applied to specific
0: parts of the wood. Like, it's crazy. I'm going to take that snippet from this podcast and I'm going to send it to Evan. <laughs> and
1: then, I owe Evan a review for this, actually. Like, I need to snap a picture of the thing she
0: made because it's like,
1: how did you do that?
0: I'll send him this and you send him the picture. and uh, Right on. And then we, we nailed it today. Yeah,
1: so... If anybody is at all interested in what we've spoken about today, the easiest thing that they can do if they want to just give me a try and see if I have anything more to say than I did in the last 30 minutes or so, my weekly newsletter is free. I am in awe of the people who sign up and give me feedback on my own newsletter because like, I've got some people on that list that I look up to. like gurus and icons that I've followed for a long time that I didn't realize were on my list and they'll hit reply and be like, Hey, nice email today, Greg. I'm like, what, (laughs) how did this guy find me? So it's, it's, it's really cool. It's probably one of the favorite things that I do is just this weekly email telling a story about what's going on and entertaining people And giving them something that is ridiculously valuable at the same time.
0: Where do they go to sign up for the weekly emails?
1: Emailmagic.com. And there's really nothing on that page except sign up blocks for the newsletter.
0: Perfect. Greg, I appreciate everything you've said today. This is like email 101. I expect to have Greg back here many times again. Greg has come up with some of the most unique offers that I've used myself personally and successfully, some that we're still running today to capture email addresses and to convert customers. And I want to have you back here again. And we'll start to dive into some of these very specific tactics, even email 202 for all you college grads out there, maybe, and see if we can't continue to add value to the tapped market audience. How's that sound? I love it. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you for coming on today, Greg. It was my pleasure. Everybody go check out emailmagic.com. Sign up for the weekly newsletter. Thanks, Trent hi there if you found this podcast helpful i would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review this increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products brands entrepreneurial stories and their successes so we can create even more positive small business outcomes take a screenshot tag me in your social stories to friends this means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way and that we get to be a part of your own journey With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.